This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. But especially as people growing up in a more Christian environment, uh, we so get used to what worship is, and we think worship is a couple of songs. Worship is something that makes me feel good, and I've already worshipped when I feel good, because the songs give me a kick. And, and it sort of robs this thing of what heaven is like. And so, I like what John Piper says, he says, so God's glory is the radiance of his holiness. The radiance of his manifold, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. The God's glory is the radiance of his holiness. The radiance of his manifold, infinitely worthy and valuable perfections. The glory, the word glory means the weight, the splendor of his presence and his perfection. Nothing in your life that you encounter is perfect. Maybe you think you're perfect, or maybe when you fall in love with that girlfriend, you think, wow, she's perfect, you know, and I'm perfect. It's two perfect things coming together and forming like wonderful things, you know, but so, no, there's nothing perfect. Everything changes. Everything in your life will sort of have a decrease or will break up some other time with just stuff getting worse, you know, but there's one thing that is perfect. There's one whose presence and perfection Brings a weight in our lives. And so the old, uh, the Jews in the Old Testament understood God's glory as the weight of His presence. The, the place where God comes to dwell. And if we're just looking for entertainment in the church or in our lives, then we sort of get conned into thinking like, yeah, yeah, it's just like I can switch God on or switch God off. But the Bible talks about God as the Father of glory. He says in Jesus, he's being glorified. In Hebrews chapter 1, it talks about Jesus, you know, being the express image of God. It's like this, the stamp of God's fullness, of his glory, of his perfection, of his holiness. And so God invites you and I to come to that place where we say, okay, Lord, I realize that I actually need to sometimes break with my culture, break with this, this thing that I become a consumer because I'm not at the center of this relationship. And Vernon said it so beautifully tonight, you know, is, is we can decide. Is, is God really here to serve us or are we here to discover who he is? And it's, and it's going to take you all your life. <laughs> it's going to take you all, all of every day. You, you can't be bored with God. But the problem is when we start to lose our wow of God, our, our sense of who he is, we begin to treat God in a way like, oh, it's just, it's just normal. And there's a story I read, I can't remember who wrote the story, but it was a good story of a guy who made, you know, planted roses in his garden and he started with these two or three roses in the UK. And then after a while, you know, he sort of started to experiment with roses and then he got like new types of roses, new colors, new fragrances. And eventually he was just living outside of London and so people started to come to him. And people started to say, wow, look at the roses, look at the roses. And, and suddenly you realize like, okay, sure, I, I, I need to, I need to, you know, because more people are coming into the garden. And so we would like, you know, prune the roses every year. He would go on and, and suddenly just like, it just exploded. And, and eventually he started to make like little things of what you call it, cut, cuts of the roses and smaller roses and started to sell it. He started to make a business. 
And it got so, so intense. The people just got, came out. People came from all over the UK just to walk in his rose garden. And it, it got such a burden that um, they just went on. And one day he just burnt out completely. He just got over it. He closed the rose garden. And then one of his friends came and, and said to him, the problem that you have is you've lost the ability to smell the fragrance of the roses. Because you're so around the roses that you've become so familiar as to why you started in the first to grow these roses. So he says, stop. Put out the, you know, don't let anybody come in. Just take a chair and for three days sit in your rose garden because you've lost your wow. You've lost your ability of being amazed. And see, that's what the world is trying to rob us from. Because it's the one thing after the other. But listen to this in Second Peter 1 verse 17. Jesus received glory from the Father, for he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. I like the Bible that says the excellent glory, which is God the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. It, that that <clears throat> translation talks about befitting dignity, greatness, magnificence, majesty on Jesus. And so, so God gave Jesus glory and he said, as the excellent glory, as the one who lives in the splendor, I'm going to start to show you as mankind just where you start. You have to come through Jesus and he's going to become man. He's going to sort of almost step back a little bit to begin to show us the heart of God. Because we sang it tonight, God, you're good. You're good. And it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But goodness isn't nice. We think good is equal to nice scripturally, but it's not. Goodness is in essence is perfect. In essence is, he doesn't want to take from us. He wants to give, bless, restore. And so this is the thing that God gave Jesus. He decided, well, I'm, I'm going to show mankind what I'm like. Because they, they can't see. Even if, the, if the, I need to open up their eyes in heaven to see who I really am, they all die. You know, most people that had an encounter with God in the Bible were blind for a couple of days. Or fell on their faces. Or felt they're going to die any moment. So God cannot reveal his full glory to us. Because we, we can't handle it. Your physical body can't. But that's why Jesus becomes the, the door to the Father. That's why there's no other way by which we can reach the Lord. And so, I spoke about, about this this morning. But there was one guy who understood some of this. And his name is Elijah and and the Bible talks about the spirit of Elijah that will return. Now, John the Baptist, that was sort of the, the prophet between the Old and the New Testament, he was sort of the bridge between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. He also had the spirit of Elijah on him. And Malachi, the last book in the, in the Old Testament, also prophesies and says that, you know, God will come to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children again. And there's a, this prophecy that's going out um, that before Jesus Christ comes back, there'll be a church that has this spirit on them, the spirit of Elijah. And so Elijah was this prophet, had this long beard, you know, he was this weird guy. John the Baptist was it. That doesn't mean like we all need to be weird, okay? It just talks about this heart of this person. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 37, are you all still with me? Okay, I'm, I'm rushing through this tonight, so I'm just planting some seeds. But First Kings chapter 18, verse 37. This is Elijah, these bold prophets, there's a showdown, there's a massive thing between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. 
the Baal prophets have taken over. Ahab was the king. Jezebel was his wife. And they just mixed the Jewish um, culture with a lot of pagan cultures. And so there was a crisis. And so God raises up Elijah. Elijah goes up onto the mountain and he makes the sacrifice and the Baal prophets make their sacrifice. He calls all of them and the king and there's a massive showdown. There's, there's, this is going to be a rumbling party, okay? And so what happens is they start to do their sacrifices. Elijah stands, he prepares the sacrifice and now the people of God is going to see who is God. And so Elijah is there on the one side and he takes some water. He throws water over the, the altar and he makes sure that when the fire comes, everybody will know this is pure fire. You know, and the others, they cut themselves, they cry out to their gods, the Baal prophets, all the stuff that's happening. If you look at what's happening in the world at the moment, there's a lot of pillars of Baal being erased in all the big cities again. You know, where a lot of the Western world is turning to Baal prophets and the old stuff again. Just go and read up. It's started to happen the last two years already. But here is this Elijah, and I want us to focus on the prayer. In Elijah, he says, hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifices and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And now when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. Only the people of God turn back to God. Say, the Lord is God. There's only one God. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. <laughs> See, Elijah wasn't just living for himself. Elijah realized that there's a culture, there's, a, there's so many idols. And a lot of people think like idols, you just find them in India. But we have a lot of them in our Western culture. The idol of money and self-seeking and consumerism. We've been bombarded with things. But it's not idols on the outside, it's idols in the heart. And so Elijah says, God, people are turning their hearts back to you because this is my desire that this Stellenbosch and the Western Cape and South Africa will turn back to you, God, that they will know that you are God. And so he cries out and here the fire comes, consumes the sacrifice. The altar is destroyed, the, the ball prophets, all the things are happening. And now what begins to happen is there's a massive party, there's breakthrough. And a lot of Christians follow God because of the breakthrough or because of, hey, there's been a showdown. They want just a victorious thing. But Elijah wasn't in it for that. Because you can miss almost the whole story. In verse 41, he goes on. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up and eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So he tells the king. Now the king was a bit of a, a, a yawful, a jaffel. Uh, he didn't have like, he couldn't make decisions. He was just open for what everybody was saying. He was, what do, what, what, what do you people say, you know? What? Jaffel. Pancake, huh? Spineless. Spineless. Okay. He was spineless. He couldn't make any decisions. And, you know, and this lady, Jezebel, you know, just ruled and manipulated. There was just so much control and so many negative stuff. And so Elijah says to him, do you know what? King, go up and go and eat. Go Go to the restaurant, go, go to McDonald's, go to whatever, you know, just, just go and enjoy yourself. And he says to him, as he says to him, go, he says, because I've heard something. I've heard the sound of the abundance of rain. And it, it, you can almost miss it completely. But then, so I, Ahab went up to eat and drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. So he climbs up onto the mountain again. 
but a bit higher than what he was previously when the Baal prophets were taken down. Then he bowed onto the ground and he put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. The servant came back and said, there is nothing. So Elijah bows down in the position that ladies in those days would give birth. Like this. So he's heard the sound of rain. He sent the king back to go and party and just to enjoy the breakthrough. But Elijah has got something else in his heart. He begins to say, well, I've, I've heard something else. I've heard rain because there wasn't rain for a lot of, a lot of three or four years. And so I've heard the sound of rain. So he goes down and he begins to pray like giving birth. Like beginning to say, there's something else. There's something more. So the, his servant comes and now as he's busy praying, he sends the servant. He says, just, just go. Just go look for what's happening. The servant comes back the first time. Nothing. In Chinese, nothing. You can make it there, nothing. So Elijah keeps on praying. Seven times he said, go again. And then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, go up. Say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Yo. So six times, nothing. I think most of us would have given up the first time. (laughs) Most of us would have got discouraged. You know what? I've heard many years ago, but, oh, you know, maybe not. But Elijah started not just to rejoice in the breakthrough, but he said, there's something more. I want to be a carrier of God's purposes, a carrier of his glory. And he started to pray into being seven times. After the seventh time, there's only like a little cloud, like a man's fist. And he says, okay, that's enough. Go tell the king, he better get his chariot Ready, you know, put on the wipers when you start, when you switch on your chariot, you know, make sure all the windows are closed, make sure the canopy is ready, you know, make sure your wipers is working, make sure you have got four by fours when you drive because there's massive rain coming, yeah, he just saw this hand over the sea. And then the story goes while Elijah girds up his clothes, he takes his big beard, splits it in half, throws it over the one shoulder, the other half over the other shoulder, and here goes Elijah. And he outruns the chariots. You know, best four by four, best everything. He just, the Bible says, and the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. And then he started to run. I, I have a bit of imagination. I can just see like, no, 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 no. You know, like these jet engines, you know, and the, and the beard is going behind him like straight 90 degrees, just like, and here goes Ahab, Ahab, Ahab is driving in his four by four, he's putting his like, you know, um, electric windows down and Elijah comes, and he thinks like, what does that mean, you know, you know, super jet, here we go, you know, and when he gets there, Elijah is already there, the hand of the Lord upon Elijah, it's a crazy story. But that's why we like the Bible. It's for crazy people. I mean. <laughs> because we're not serving an ordinary God. But see, if we play games with God, then we miss out on his glory, on his hand. And the Bible says that his hand, his arm is not too short to heal, to touch, to deliver. When God stretches forth his hand over your life, sure. 
The other day, I and Vilio went to his friend, Louis. You know, Vilio invited me to go and have a breakfast with Louis, Louis Giglio. And so we were sitting there at the breakfast, and then Louis came and Louis touched my shoulder. I haven't washed this shoulder since then. No, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Because some people think... But it's so amazing when somebody walks in and touches your shoulder and says, hey, I'm backing you, I'm, I'm puts his hand upon you and sends you and commissions you and releases you. And... But wait till God's hand comes upon certain people. Wait when God's presence comes. And, and Elijah was hungry for God's presence. He was hungry for God's glory, not to steal God's glory, but he said, hey, we had all this breakthrough, all this stuff, but it's not about that. I want to see God's purposes done in Stellenbosch. It's not just about me doing something here or trying something. I want to see this whole community say, he is God, he is God, he is God. So in 2 Corinthians It talks about us as the church. He says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. It's a very, very intense scripture. We quote and say, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You know, I'll run in the river. Dance in the river. And we sing all these songs, but we have no idea what we're talking about. It's just a nice tune. (laughs) Maybe. What is it? Turn to the left. Turn to the right. No, that's not the right tune. Come help. Okay, you know that one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. But it says, when the Lord is spirit, there's liberty. There's, There's such a freedom. But then he begins to define, and he says, we as the church... We as the children of God, we're beholding in a mirror, we're just seeing a little bit, but as we draw closer to God, we'll see more. From glory to glory. You cannot get bored in the presence of God. When you meet with Him, but now the devil is conning us to say like, no, 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 you know, this reading Bible stuff, this is just boring, this like, no, 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 just boring, just like, ach no man, there's so much other entertainment and he'll keep you busy. He'll get you to be busy, distracted on all the things because he wants you to rob you from experiencing the glory of God. And that's what God invites us to. And that's what he says. We, although we have unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. Say, being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory. Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So where do you start as a Christian? First, you need to be spirit-filled because you cannot know this without the help of the Holy Spirit. You need to yield to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is the one who opens up the curtains of the window. The Holy Spirit is the one who opens up, who unveils us to see God. That's why Jesus said he must go away so that he can universalize his ministry and And that place, that ability for you to see who God is. You can't see God by just studying scripture or reading a lot about God. You can't. That's just intellectual knowledge. But when your spirit begins to open up, and that's why it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom because you've realized like, wow, I'm not trapped. I'm not a slave anymore. I've got an opportunity to behold his glory, to walk into his presence, to 
to know who God is. And that's why by the boldness that I have by the blood of Jesus, I can enter in. Hebrews says that. Hebrews 10 verse 17 to 19. I can boldly enter into this throne room of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to help me. Because there's such a liberty when I begin to see God. Suddenly I begin to just realize all these other things. Even, even my pursuit of this girlfriend and my pursuit of this boyfriend and all this other stuff that I think will fulfill me will not fulfill me. Because eventually the blessing will end up to be an idol if you're looking for glory in that person. There's only one that's glorious. There's only one that's perfect. And so when we come together, we pursue his glory together. And that's why the difference, the opposite of glory is shame. Romans 3 verse 23, we all have sinned and that's what sin does. And we fall short of his glory. The weight of his presence and his perfection. And so tonight is just the invitation. Tonight is the invitation for you and me to start to run the race looking unto Jesus. But despising the shame, putting down the shame, putting off the weights and the sins that so easily ensnares us. What does it do, Hebrews says 12, it ensnares us, the weights that we put on us, the distractions. It all keeps us from running this race, looking unto Jesus. So the devil wants to shame you. And that's why from the word go in Genesis, God says, I don't want you to serve me because I do great things for you, or because I have a great breakthrough for you, or because, hey, we're just playing little church and having events. No, it's much more. It's an invitation. And that invitation is that I am your exceedingly great reward, Abraham. Moses, I am. Genesis 15. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. Elijah understood that. It wasn't about the breakthrough to defeat the Baal prophets. It was about the glory of God. So that everybody will know he's God. And it starts with you. It starts with me. What an invitation. And so that's why the mystery scripture talks about, the mystery of the ages, is Christ, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Ephesians talks about that, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2. The greatest mystery is that God would decide to come down to earth to not just reveal through us, And to us, his son, but actually to say, now what I'm going to start to do is I'm going to put my presence in every person. So Christ in you becomes the hope of glory. And that's why in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes about the same thing in verse 16. He says, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling inside of you? Suddenly, the temple of God is this, this body. So shame and sin wants to rob you from that place of realizing the presence of God in you and through you and around you. But the greatest mystery of the ages is now when you accept Christ into your life, you become a spiritual being. And now your life, your heart, your body becomes a temple of God. Suddenly God can begin to manifest his glory through you after he's Shown it in you. What a privilege to be a carrier of the presence of God in this world and to a broken world that is desperate, desperate to see who God is. They're desperate to see a holy, perfect, omnipotent, omnipresent God.
And so the Bible talks about this God's omnipresence. He says, Psalm 139, Paul writes about this. Where could I go from your spirit? Or where could I, I flee from your presence? God is everywhere. Wherever you go, there's God's omnipresence. God is with you. And so the thing that the devil lies to you is that, hey, Sunday night, Monday morning, switch the Lord off. Tomorrow morning, he's off. I'm just continuing with my life. Wednesday night, cell group, small group. <laughs> Sunday, church, Monday morning. Work. Ah. But no, 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 no. I've Bible, got Bible school on Tuesday. I forgot about that one video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and don't forget about, oh, Tuesday night, the week is long. Wednesday morning intercession. Can you feel the vibe? Yeah. Oh. But this weekend, I went to Kubai and the Lord is definitely not there. Don't even talk about the waterfront. But I was a worshipper yesterday there in front of the rugby and I, I did pray. A lot of people prayed yesterday for the rugby. Oh, so fantastic. I switched the Lord on again. Whew, but it's long till Sunday night again. Oh, Saturday evening. The people were carrying a lot around me. But oh, Sunday, 4 o'clock, 4 p.m. Oh, no, I actually came to church twice. <laughs> Sunday morning, switched the Lord on again. Yeah? And then that's how we go through life. But we don't realize that God is... With you, wherever you go. You don't switch the presence of God on. That's what the Holy Spirit has come to do. But the devil robs us, eh? The devil robs you from walking in the presence of God. And then not just his omnipresence, the fact that he's with you, then God also begins to promise you, yes, I will manifest myself to you. In John 14 verse 21, he says, I will make myself known to you. I will manifest myself to you when you abide in me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and will, and I will love him and I will manifest. I will make myself known to him. It's so simple, but it's so profound when the church begins to realize they are not some professional Christians. Me up here, Vilio, you know, because this is how the rank works in this church, you know, Moses, Vilio, George, I'm down there somewhere, you know. But, but, but Valio is up there with Moses. You know, he drinks tea. He can speak nine languages. If you can speak nine languages, some of them must be a lot of heavenly tongues. You know, but so, hallelujah, Valio, you know. And Valio is single, hallelujah, you know, so he must be up there, you know. Just like Jason, the worship leader, single. You know? And don't talk about Chris. If your surname is Hislap, whoo. Divine, divine, you know? Marlies, oh, heavenly. It's so on my tongue, heavenly, Marlies. It's like a worship song. She sings like the angels, you know? But there's this promise. If you cry out to God, it says, I will make myself known to you. I will manifest myself. I will, I will not just come and show my manifest presence like we experience here tonight. Where you can actually feel it. You can actually be touched by it. There's a corporate worship. There's a corporate anointing. Because when we say glorify God, glorify yourself, it's an intercession 
prophetic song we're singing as the body of Christ. That's why it's so important that we come to church. Not for us, but to declare to the spiritual realm that Jesus is alive. It's very spiritual when you come to church. Because that's where the brethren and sister and, and family are thin, agree thin on the purposes of God over a town. Don't miss church, I mean. Don't miss small group. But don't switch God off when you walk out of that place. God's manifest presence. And so there's a group of people all across the world that are not boxing God into certain events. They're becoming disciples of Jesus. We're doing this discipleship series in small groups. It's so amazing. Just together saying, God, we want to we wanna let this whole town know that you are God. And it starts with intercession. Your spiritual maturity is equal to your intercession and your prayer life. Not to how many events you attend. Not to how many songs you listen to in the week. Not to how many scriptures you can quote. It's when you're like Elijah. And you and I have a choice. We can just be about the victory and the bold prophets or we can say, God, we have heard the sound of abundance of rain. Ahab, you can go and party, but that's not why we're here. Ahab, you can go and mess around. Ahab, you can all that, but I've heard another sound. And there's a sound coming. There's a massive divide in the body of Christ. And the divide is simply around one thing. Around the voice of God and around the presence of God. People that are hungry for him. People that are hungry for his presence. People that are making Jesus Lord of their lives. He's got access to every part of their lives. And in your brokenness, you invite Jesus into that place. In that place where you feel desperate, you invite his presence right into that. Because that's where he's going to be in the boat and you're going to realize he's with you. You don't pray for just breakthrough. Oh Lord, deliver me. Lord, make me comfortable. Lord, pineapple drinks every Tuesday morning. Otherwise I freak out. Lord, help. Yeah. And he will listen to those prayers. He will never reject us. But there's another group of people that are rising up and say, Lord, glorify your name. Lord, glorify your name. That everyone will say, he is God. They'll fall on their faces and say, he is God. He is God. He is God. Everyone will say, we've heard. We've heard. We've heard. We've seen. We've tasted of the goodness of God. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.